0: Thanks for joining us today at the Vine Church. We're one church with two locations and reaching around the world with the help of our online service. We exist to connect the world to Jesus Christ. If you'd like to partner with us in doing that, you can share this service with others and give by clicking the link below. For now, prepare your heart for some incredible worship and an inspiring message.
1: Now I'm ready for whatever you want to do. Sing, I'm moving forward. I'm moving forward. the name of all every other name Jesus the only one who could ever see Whoa!
0: All right, church, you good? How could you not be after that? That's right. Uh, that's good stuff. Hey, um, it is good to be with you guys today. For those of you that I haven't met yet, my name is David Walters, and I have the privilege of being one of the pastors. And uh, before we get into today's message, I just want to kind of pause and and uh, share some things as to why it's good to be with you guys. Um, I love our church. I love uh, what we do and how we do it. Uh, last week, we had a, a guest worshiper who is a colleague of mine that works at our conference office. So they're like, you know, the chief muckety-muck, like that office, came, worshipped here just kind of like on a I uh, had another meeting in the area after uh, our worship service and um, didn't come to like give like critique or feedback. And but I always love feed- I love feedback, even if it's bad. Like, I want to get it. I mean, that doesn't mean, like, send me an email tomorrow. I shouldn't have said that. But uh, anyway, um, so, like, I was like, hey, give me some feedback. And she was like, like, your hospitality is second to none. And she talked about how we had a first-time guest parking spot. We had a VIP team person come out there and welcome them. And we had people at the doors, you know, cafe counter. And then people even in the room that were welcoming to her. So, can we just give it up for our hospitality team? They do an amazing job <laughs> making people feel welcome on Sunday morning. So, I want to celebrate that. And then she was like, and y'all's worship? is amazing, like super amazing. And um, just to kind of like point out how amazing our, our worship um, uh, like team is up here, um, at our 915 service, Carlos, who is the like really cool Hispanic dude back here, like he was like pff, playing and then his string broke and it was like, you didn't even know, dude was just like so chill playing, didn't even make a sound. So can we give it up for our worship team and just the excellence that they um, operate in. On Sundays, I was like, how's the message? And she was like... Anyway, um, so, no, so it's great to be here. Um, I love you guys, love how we do it. It's just awesome to see what the Lord is doing on top of what we're doing, and that is blessing, especially with life transformation happening, um, what seems like on a weekly basis here. And so we are super grateful for that. I'm excited about what we're going to be doing. I mean, when Pedro was going through announcements, I know there are announcements. I was getting super fired up about February 3rd, um, as everybody knows that's the day of the big game. I don't, I, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say the Super Bowl anymore. But anyway, that's the day of the big game, but we're, like, we're having a big moment here, which is baptism, and baptisms are awesome. Come on. And uh, and so if you're a person who has made a recent decision to follow Jesus or you've never been baptized, that would be an amazing day to go ahead and do it. And so we want to make sure that you get signed up for that. And you're not going to want to miss that Sunday. Over the past couple of years, we've invited a special guest from the community to come and talk to us. And so we have the recently announced um, new AD at Mill Creek High School, uh, Pat Jarvis, who's going to be coming. Not Pat Jarvis, Shannon Jarvis. Pat Jarvis is our church's treasurer, um, but Shannon Jarvis is is the the newly announced AD at Mill Creek. One of his former players, a guy by the name of David Green, uh, quarterback for UGA and then in the pros, he's going to be here as well. So that'll be an awesome Sunday. You won't want to miss that. Invite your friends so that they can hear about what a hero maker looks like and leaving a legacy beyond generations. Um, You young guys, you're like, well, if it's not Jake Fromm, I'm not coming. Well, Jake, like David Green, anyway. So, um, just be here for that. So, I'm excited about all of that, but I'm really excited about today's message. I believe that it will be helpful for all of us as we're in week two of a series called "A New You," where we're discovering in the in the midst of the season of New Year's resolutions and new goals that we have, or a new word hashtag New Word, whatever uh, that you've got for 2019. What we're discovering is that the greatest transformation can come not through what we do, but who we become, and that. God's more interested in us um, becoming the person that God designs and desires us to be than what we can do. And that's why we're called human beings, not human doings. Okay, some of you listened last week. So yeah, human beings, not human doings. And so in this series, we're going to talk about how God can form us and shape us internally and that that moves out externally into the world. Last week, we talked about how we needed a new heart. Um, heart. We needed a new center of desire in order to become the new person that God wants us to be. And today we're going to talk about having a new mind. Every fall, uh, usually the first Thursday and Friday of October, our staff and some of our key leaders, we go down to a, um, a conference in Duluth called the Catalyst Conference. It's an awesome conference. And, um, and at that conference, we learn from all kinds of leaders, uh, church leaders, business leaders, you know, great organizational leaders. And it, it's also, uh, it's always a great time of learning for our staff and for our leaders. It's a great time of fellowship. There's awesome worship, all that stuff. But then they usually bring in this like, Guess that nobody's heard of. And maybe maybe some of like, maybe a TED Talk went viral and then they bring it in, you know. And uh, and so we, we kind of always have this like surprise. Well, a few years ago, I got one of the best surprises of my life when this petite little South African woman walked up on the stage. And um, I was like, who in the world is this woman named Carolyn Leaf? In fact, um, this is what she looks like. Um, she gets up there on stage. I was like, what is she going to talk to us about? She's not a leader in church. She's not even really a leader of people. So what is she going to talk to us about? Well, I was immediately drawn in and bought into Carolyn Leaf because when she spoke, she spoke with that like South African accent. Everybody loves a good accent, right? Except unless it's a deep South, you know, but anyway, like, you know, like I love accents, like especially like British or like, you know, Australians, South Africans, like somewhere in there. And so like I'm drawn in and then she is like, she is little and tiny, but she is like on fire and she's like spitting out stuff and it's coming out fast and every bit of it is good. Like our staff, they're like, you know, writing down and like, I mean, how many of you just love like trying to keep up with somebody just spitting truth out, like just, and so she's going and, and And what's crazy about that is that it wouldn't, I wouldn't think that it would have like, any like real impact because her bio said that she was a neuroscientist that sounds like fun and entertainment doesn't it right but she's a Christian neuroscientist. And, and it's not that there's a, like a brand of neuroscience that's like Christian neuroscience. She's a neuroscientist. She studies the brain and the neurological connections of the brain. But she's also a Christ follower. She's committed, uh, she trusts Jesus as the Lord and Savior of her life. So she's a Christian who happens to be a neuroscientist. And she started talking about stuff that I had never heard in my life. And I love science and I love medicine. And I read a lot when it comes to that stuff. But she started talking about how, in our brains, there exist these basically like tree-like formations, which was kind of freaking me out because I was like, I got trees in my brain. That's crazy. And she, she brought in these pictures that were like microscopic cross sections of the brain that had two different like variations of neurological patterns. And one of them looked like tumbleweed. Or it looked like a, a, almost like a dead tree or a tree that has lost its leaves uh, that we see like outside. As soon as you go out in the building, look, and there's trees without leaves because it's winter, sort of winter. It's, Georgia. I mean, I don't know what we are in, you know, and um, and so you go out and you look at that tree and that's kind of what it looked like. And then there was this also, this like neurological cross section of uh, uh, this cross section of the brain that had a neurological pattern that looked like this tree that was like full of life and vibrancy. And she was like, this is, this is um, the formations that are in your brain right now. And I was like, I've got trees in my brain. And she was like, and you get to decide which trees you have in your brain, the ones that look that like they're dead or the ones that look like they're alive. And she said, and the way you think determines which ones you've got in your brain. The way you think determines which ones are in your brain. So she studies neuroplasticity and I was going to have you say that back to me, but that's harder than Hebrew and Greek. And so we're going we're to skip that. Neuroplasticity is basically that our thoughts and our attitudes actually have the ability to physically shape our brain and to form things in our brain that naturally then is going to cause this ripple effect in our lives. And she says, you and I get to choose what we have in our brains. Do we have the, the dead or do we have the life? And she said, and the way that you choose is whether you form this pattern through negative thoughts or positive thoughts. And so she actually showed scientifically what happens when a positive thought happens in our brain. It starts this new network and this pattern that can form into this tree given enough time. But then also this kind of desolate path that, that our, our brain, our neurological patterns can take on Through a negative thought. She said, you get to choose. And I was like, this sounds weird. I mean, like, I love science. I wanted to be a medical doctor, did not want to be a pastor. Sometimes I still feel the same way. But I mean, anyway, it's like, as a joke, y'all, okay. I mean, not really, but anyway, so like so, like, I love this stuff, but I'm like, this just sounds weird. This sounds weird. And then she goes, Hey, but let me tell you that this is actually found in the pages of scripture. And I was like, now I'm really interested. And so she quotes Deuteronomy 30. Maybe you grew up in church and you heard your pastor quote Deuteronomy 30 all the time. Um, but verse 19, she says, I had, this is the Lord speaking, I have set before you life and death. Live tree, dead tree. I've set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. Now listen to this. She didn't quote this, but I want to go on. Loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him, for he is your life and the length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. And so she talked about how we have this great gift that God has given us, this ability to choose, and we get to choose between life and death. We get to choose between blessing and curse, and the way that we choose uh, this is, is through choosing to trust. What are we going to choose to trust? Are we going to choose to trust the negative unhealthy thoughts? Are we going to choose to trust those that are positive and life-giving And this is the choice that the Lord has laid before you, and then it works itself out. It starts with our thoughts and our attitudes, and then it works itself out as like literally the brain changes in structure and formation around those thoughts. And I was blown away by this because what is described in the verse that followed that she didn't read is the life that we're all looking for. It's a life that we're all looking for, which is why we have a series uh, called New You. It's why we have New Year's resolutions and new goals and, and new words for a year because we're looking for something more. We're looking for this life that was described here and in the context, it's described as loving God, obeying him, holding fast to him and then also occupying the promised land. For us, we're not occupying a promised land but we are able to occupy a preferred future, a preferred future that God designed for us, like literally in the way that our brains can change and take shape and that we can experience that's full of life, that's full of life. And so what we need in order to become a new you beyond a new heart is a new mind. It's a new mind. And so today we're going to talk about how to have a new mind. Um, And and before we kind of jump into some stuff, I want to be very clear that we're all on like the same page with a couple of things. I think this will be helpful. A lot of times I think um, we think that the brain and the mind are synonymous, that they're the same thing. It's uh, just a different word. And um, when we talk today about having a new mind, I want to say that they're not synonymous. The brain is the control center for the bodies. And so what you learned in school and what I learned in school and some other people that are really, really smart, they learn in school is that the brain is the control center of the mind, right? The brain tells the body uh, what to do. It's the control center of life. The mind, however, the mind, however, is the center of our thoughts, our attitudes, our thoughts and our attitudes. So the, the thoughts that we have That exists because of this mind, this ability that God has given us to be able to choose uh, between those that are negative and those that are positive. Those attitudes that we have, that exists in the mind. So when we talk about brain and mind today, we're talking about two separate things. The brain is the physical, the mind is that kind of intangible thing that forms our brain. So now that I've completely lost you on that, I, I want to uh, hopefully get you back in, because I want to also say that when it comes to us being on the same page, that when, when we talk about this today, we're not talking about some new agey thing, okay? I grew up in an era where there was like, new age, that's new age, that's new age, that's new age. You know, this is not some new agey thing. In fact, what, what I would suggest and what you'll see today is that this is actually a really old agey thing. It's a real old agey thing because it's existed in the pages of Scripture all the way back at the beginning and then all the way to the end. And then as we'll see today, Jesus even talked about how we need a new mind or we need a new center of our thoughts and our attitudes because he knows what he's talking about. And so I just want to invite you to see that through Jesus's very first command. His very first command was basically to have a new mind. And so if you brought your Bibles or you got a Bible app, i want to invite you to go with me to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter four, Um, if you're not familiar with the Bible, it's kind of broken down into what's called an old um, Testament or Old Covenant and a New Covenant or a New Testament. And Matthew's that first book of the New Testament. And while you're getting there, I love to give a little bit of context on Sunday morning so that we're not just reading something out of context and you're not like, how did we get there and what's going on? Um, and so just a little bit of the context. Jesus, like it, we're, we're about to read is Jesus's first act of ministry. It's also his first command to people. Um, but where we are before that, we get a genealogy from Matthew and then we get kind of like a, an early days of Jesus before he starts ministry. And what what we learn is that the Spirit of God drives Jesus out into the wilderness. The Spirit of God drives Jesus out into the wilderness where he fasts for 40 days. Now, some of us, when we read that, we go, I I don't like that Spirit. Like, whatever Spirit that is, that does not sound like the Spirit of God. Well, why would the Spirit of God drive us into a wilderness? Because when we talk about, like, you know, being in the wilderness, maybe in church, or maybe in our own lives, we're like, "I just feel like I'm in the wilderness." Usually, it means that we feel like we're lost, that we're wandering around that that life's at like this dry and desolate place that that we're just kind of famished and we're starving and we're hungry, and we go, "Man, the wilderness is not like the cool place to be um but it was completely different for Jesus' context now they didn't necessarily want to be there. But the wilderness was viewed differently for them than it is for most of us, where we would say, I don't want to be in the wilderness. Why would the Spirit of God drive us out into wilderness moments? Because what they viewed the wilderness as was an opportunity to draw closer to God. And and I really feel like, I'm I'm slower in getting to the passage that we're going to read today, because I really feel like some of you feel like you're in a wilderness, and you've been viewing it all wrong. Like you've been viewing it as this place where like life's been dry and desolate and you're famished, you're thirsty, and you just feel like you're wandering around. And yet what God wants you to, be, um, to do in the season of in being in the wilderness is to be led by his spirit so that it will draw you closer and deeper into a relationship with him. And what a difference that would be if we would just simply say, hey, I'm not in this like, bad place. I'm in this good place where God is drawing me in. A, a great example of that is the Old Testament where the Israelites, when they came out of slavery in Egypt and Moses was leading them into the promised land, um, they, they were like had this moment of fear where they chose to trust fear rather than, than to, to trust faith. And so they didn't um, go into the, the promised land when God wanted them to go into the promised land. And, and so God said, for the next 40 years, you're going to wander in the wilderness. And we look at that and we go, man, that was punitive. That's, that is a punishment. That is a severe consequence for like not going in. And yet for a whole generation, there was a whole generation that went deeper with the Lord in that time. There was a whole generation that had to press into the provision of God during that time to get to a deeper place so that when it came time again to enter into the promised land, they were able to do it. And so the wilderness, I want to say to some of you, and maybe it's just one of you, I had a ton of people after 915 say, that was me, that's me, that is me, and grateful for it now. Um, that you spoke that some of you feel like it's a bad thing. And the Lord's saying, hey, if you'll be led by my spirit, this will draw you closer in to me. Um, Jesus then does a second thing. He fasts which can we just agree? That sounds horrible. Like um, if you know anything about fasting, it means to literally, like literally it means to abstain from eating or to cover the mouth. In the Hebrew, it means cover the mouth. New Testament, it means to abstain from eating. And so Jesus abstained from eating. He covered his mouth for 40 days. Sounds horrible. Been there? Not good. Not cool at all. Um, and so, so Jesus goes, he's in the wilderness. This doesn't sound cool. Then he's not eating. That doesn't sound cool either. Um, and then at the end of not eating for Uh, Well, well, let let me back up. Why was he fasting? What fasting does, the reason that it's a spiritual practice is that it suppresses the physical so that our spiritual antenna can be raised and we can have greater receptivity to God. And, And so when Jesus was fasting, he's led by the spirit into the wilderness that draws us in in that desert place to a deeper relationship with God. He then embraces it through fasting where he's gonna suppress physical so that his spiritual antenna is raised and he can get into a greater connection with God. And then check this out. At the end of the 40 days, he is tempted by the enemy of God and God's people. And he's tempted in the same way that you and I are tempted. There's three specific, general, universal temptations. Um, He's tempted with pleasure, he's tempted with possession, and he's tempted with power. And it's a temptation that you and I face every day. And instead of giving into the temptation, he's tempted in the way that we are, but he doesn't sin. He doesn't give into the temptation. Why was he able to do that? Wilderness and fasting. So I believe that for some of you that are here that are in that wilderness kind of moment, and I don't know what that wilderness looks like for you, but you're like, man, it just doesn't feel right. You're uncomfortable with it. God might be prepping you for a moment where you're gonna see your greatest breakthrough and you're gonna be able to overcome some things that maybe in previous temptations you've given into. You're gonna see some tremendous breakthrough. And so Jesus has that. That was a long breakdown, but I believe that was a specific word for somebody that's in our church. It was a long kind of like context to get us to this one verse. After all that, Jesus begins his public ministry. And he doesn't begin it with a miracle performed. He doesn't um, begin it with a deliverance. He doesn't begin it with going to the cross. That was at the tail end of his ministry. He begins it with a proclamation. And that proclamation is found in Matthew chapter four. Matthew chapter four, and Jesus begins his public ministry, and this is what he says. In verse 17, from that time on, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. This was the very first command of Jesus. It's to repent. I heard that word a lot growing up. I don't know about you. I I had this like spiritual, like faith mutt upbringing. I mean, I was like in a bunch of different churches growing up. So it's not just like one stream of Christianity, one denomination. Um, My early years, I was at a church where there was a two hour long worship service, and some of you are like, 75 minutes is long on Sunday. Try two hours. Yeah. um, You'll change your mind about that really quick. You probably don't talk like that. That's just the way you sound in my head. Um, But anyway, like, so like, So like, you know, so like that was my early experience. And then like got back to like a very traditional Methodist church. I don't know if you've been in like a very traditional church, like a liturgical church, like Catholic church, Lutheran, you know, Episcopal, Methodist, you know, like, so some very liturgical traditional churches. Um, But right in between there, I spent some really formative years at a very, very large local Southern Baptist church. And and I love my time there. And I want to say like, clearly, I am grateful for my time there. But somewhere along the way, in this use of this word repentance, I just kind of misunderstood the word. And I don't know if it was intentionally communicated this way or it was unintentionally, but like I heard the word repent. And what I heard was, stop doing what you're doing. Stop behaving the way you're behaving. And some of you are like, that's not what that means. Like, yeah, like, yeah. Like, stop doing what you're doing. Stop behaving the way you're behaving. And typically, it went like this repent, you know, that was like it, right? And, and so you're like, I'm okay, all right, I'm gonna stop doing what I'm doing until Monday, and then that's everything back to normal, right? So so that's the way it happened, and, and I would, I'd be like, okay, all right, behavior modification time, yep, I'm gonna stop doing that, but what's interesting is that that's not the meaning of the word repent, it's not at all, because we don't change through behavior modification, we change through belief modification, and our beliefs are simply the thoughts that we choose to trust. Every decision that you make, every belief that you hold is a thought that you're choosing to trust. When you make a decision, every decision, it's based on a thought that you're choosing to trust. And what Jesus wanted to do was not change our behavior initially. He wanted to change our belief. He wanted to change the truths that we were choosing to trust. And th- let me point that out to you. All right, so repent. Old Testament. Old Testament it comes from a Hebrew word, shub. Everybody say shub. Shub. That's a really easy Hebrew word to say. Not a whole lot of phlegm required in that. It's really easy. And it literally is a radical change of thought. It's a radical change in thinking. In the New Testament, the word repent comes from a Greek word, metanoite. Everybody say metanoite. Metanoite contextually means to change the way you think and the visual for that was a U-turn. It was the change direction. So change the direction of the way that you're thinking. And so here Jesus comes, God in the flesh. We believe he's the only begotten son of God. He comes and he begins his public ministry, not with a powerful like miracle or healing or deliverance, not by going to the cross yet. He begins by saying, change the way you think for the kingdom of God is near change the way you think for the kingdom of God is near. And he's saying, like, he is the kingdom. He is the reign of God in this world available through a relationship with him. And so what he's trying to get people to do is to understand that true change comes from a change of belief, not a change in behavior. And where does the belief happen? It happens in the mind. It's what we choose to trust. It's a thought that we choose to. To trust, And we can choose to trust a lie or we can choose to trust the truth. And Jesus wants us to understand that there are a couple of truths that we can trust. And the first one is this, that the kingdom of God, the reign and the rule of God is available through a relationship with him and that's available for all people. It's why he needed to change thought because back then, 2,000 years ago, it was only available for people who followed a certain set of rules in a certain set of religion. And Jesus comes on and he says, the kingdom of God is near. And then through his life, a perfect life and his death on the cross, what he did was he opened access to the kingdom of God. He opened access to the kingdom of God through faith in him as Lord and Savior to where everyone, whether you were a part of that religion, whether you were non-religious, whether you're irreligious, could come into that kingdom, could enter into a relationship with God for all of eternity. And, And so he opens that kingdom and makes it accessible for everyone, for the first time in the history of the world, the first person that says it's available to anyone who would come in through me. Not through rules, not through religion, but through a relationship with me. And then not only that, he wanted to to change the way we thought about the kingdom of God, is that when we were in the kingdom of God, that means that God's the king. We're not the king anymore. God's the king, specifically Jesus is the king. And so I'm going to live my life in accordance to who the king says that I am. And then when we grow and progress in our faith to understand that the king is actually our heavenly father, now it changes the dynamic even more to where we understand who we are as an adopted son or daughter of the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe. It radically changes our life from the inside out. So if I believe that the kingdom of God is available to me without rules, without religion, but just through a relationship with Jesus, now all of a sudden that means that I'm lovable, regardless of what I've done, regardless of what I believed. God sees that I am lovable, and he demonstrated his love, that while I was a yet sinner, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He has made the kingdom of God available to me. And when I enter in through faith, my thoughts are that I am eternally secure. That means that God's love for me will not change and no one can remove me from the love of God. And so I have this assurance about my eternal relationship with God. And and when I think that Jesus is my king, then then he gets to instruct my life. He gets to lead my life. And so I'm gonna follow in line with his instruction And then when I understand that he is a good father and that he views me as a son, it's going to change the way I live my life. So Jesus knows that when it comes to a new mind, it all starts with changing the way we think for the kingdom of God is near. Kingdom of God is near. There's a guy who had a a radical change of mind in his life. His name's Paul. Um, Some of you have heard about him frequently at the Vine Church. Um... Paul is a guy who, before he had a, just a radical encounter with the resurrected Jesus, um, he hated Christians. He hated Jesus followers. Um, he he disagreed with them. Obviously, he he had different beliefs than they did. And he disagreed with them, and so he had them arrested. He had them um, in prison. He had them beaten, and he had some of them condemned to be killed. And um, And I I don't know why. And this was like a side note. Like I don't know why we can't just agree to disagree. Like, but it seems like everywhere we go right now, if you disagree with somebody, you try to destroy somebody. And 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 you see that with Paul. Like he just he was destructive in his in his disagreement over beliefs. He was destructive. He destroyed life. And so I just say, look, y'all. Like let's just agree, agree to disagree with people. Let's don't destroy people on social media or behind their backs. Let's, let's, don't, let's just agree to disagree. I mean, look, God will sort all that stuff out. But anyway, going back to Paul, he has this radical encounter with Jesus. He encounters a resurrected Jesus. And it changes his life. And he goes from, listen, he goes from hating Christians to becoming a Christian. And then he preaches Jesus, that Jesus died and he came back from the dead so that people could have access to a relationship with God. He did that so much that churches started popping up wherever he preached this message. And so he helped like start churches directly or indirectly because those churches that he started would then go start more churches because they were sharing the same message. And then what he would do is he would write back to them. And in fact, he's written most of the New Testament of the Bible. And he talks about why we can change our minds. It's not because God's mad at us and he's going, repent, it's because he loves us. And he writes in Romans chapter 2, that is it is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It's God's love that draws us in because all of us have a universal longing to be loved. And then he says, once you have that, then he gives us an instruction that we need to continually have that new mind. He calls it a renewal of mind. So if you've got your Bibles still open or your Bible app still open, you could go to Romans chapter 12, verse two. It's a great verse, great verse. And this is what he writes. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your what? Mind, Mind, your thoughts, your attitudes, by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable or pleasing, depending on your translation, and perfect. He says, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. That word conformed, um, it means that we're changed by external pressure. Like literally, external pressure. The same kind of um, pressure that uh, an artist or a potter would use on clay. And, And what Paul's saying is, don't look at the outside world to put outside pressure on you. And don't give in to that. Don't decide to trust that outside pressure from the world. Students, um, this is what's called peer pressure. You hear, I mean, like, especially those of you that are in middle school, you're hearing about peer pressure all the time. Your teacher's talking about peer pressure. Peer pressure is when somebody says, hey, come on, everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. And, and, and students, I've got some bad news for you. It doesn't go away when you get older. It doesn't really go away. You might not get the, hey, come on, everybody's doing it, but you have social media. And in um, social media, that's the world's way of saying, hey, come on, everybody's doing it. This past week, somebody that is like a new person in my like friend network on social media like posted pictures of of getting two new vehicles that they're in their home. If look, if you get two new vehicles, that's awesome. Um, that is so awesome. But the first one was for their teenage son, and and now I know why people have midlife crisis because you're just driving a seventeen year old vehicle and a seventeen year old's getting a new car. You know, I mean, like it. Come on, y'all, like, that's funny. But anyway, so, like, so, like, um, so, like, they post a picture. and It's like, ah, oh, brand new car. I'm like, that's awesome. That's really cool. Really happy for him. A little bit bitter, but, I mean, really happy for him. So, um, so then, but then yesterday it was posted that they got a brand new vehicle. Like, the mom, she's the one that posted the original one. She got a brand new vehicle. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Two new vehicles in two, in, in like, one week. I was like, that's, that's crazy. But you know, you know what? like the pattern of the world is, it's to post a picture of the new car, but not to post a picture of the new car payment. Like, have you ever noticed that? That's what we do with social media. We're like, hey, I woke up and I got a smile on my face and I got great makeup, you know, not me, like anyway. So like, anyway, like that's what we do. We like present the best of ourselves. We present the highlights of ourselves. And what happens, what happens is we choose to be conformed by that. We decide we're gonna believe that that's what I need. It's the, it's the, pleasure, it's the possessions, it's the power. You know, and we choose to believe that, to trust that, that that's what we need. And Paul says, hey, look, students, middle school students, high school students, when they say, hey, listen, when they say everybody's doing it, you go, I'm out. Like, that is what your default setting should be. Everybody's doing it, I'm out. Thank you, mom, grandma. Yeah, like, hey, yeah. Thank you. Um, that might've been the best part of the whole message. And some of you are like, and then you're like, yeah, come on. You know, so yeah. Well, it's too late for all y'all, but you got it. That's good. <laughs> so like you're out. Hey, 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 adults. When you get on social media and you're like, picture, ah, oh, picture, oh, romance, oh, new relationship, whatever. And you're going, ah, step back. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. Listen to this. Transformed metamorpho in Greek. It's the root word for metamorphosis. The picture is a caterpillar that turns to a butterfly, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. Be transformed by the what? Renewal of your mind. It's this ongoing renewing that takes place in our thoughts and our attitudes where we keep coming back to the truths about who God is and who he says we are. And, and I don't know what it means exactly for you to be renewed in your mind. I just know that there are two practices that are helpful for me. And the first one comes back to this book every day. I do my best every day to spend some time in this word because this book reveals truth about who God is and who you are. And so it keeps me grounded. And, and so my daily routine is for me to, to, to read um, Uh, a proverb a day, to read from the book that I'm studying, which right now is Ephesians, and and then to read a psalm a day. And the days, like to keep it straight for me, the days line up with like the date of the, the month. And so we're on the 13th of this month, and for my psalm reading cycle, that means that I'm in Psalm 103. And so this morning I get up, and I go to Psalm 103. This is why I I need this. Um, the, the Psalms, a lot of the Psalms are written by a guy named David. David's a cool name. And so, like, um, so I like David, but I really resonate with David because David. Um, like if you read his Psalms, you're like, this dude is jacked up. Like he is so messed up, like so, so messed up. Um, and, and he's messed up in his head. Like he, like is in his thoughts, he's like, all, there's things that are wrong. Basically, he starts off almost every Psalm that he writes with like, my thoughts are trash, God. Like my thoughts are trash and my life sucks. Okay, so that's kind of like how he starts off. Now, I don't go that far, but I'm like, my thoughts are trash. Like that's, I get it. When I read him, I'm like, okay, I understand you. Like you make sense to me. And then like this thing changes where he starts to restate truths about God, who God is and who he is. He starts to restate truths. And then by the end of it, he's like, okay, so now I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna teach people to love you, Lord. And so he goes off and he has his way. So I like David. You might not like David, but I love David. And he wrote Psalm 103 this morning. And just listen to the truths that would change and transform us if we'll choose to believe these. Listen to this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget. Did you you hear that? Forget. Where, Where can we forget? Our mind, right? Forget not all his benefits. So in other words, remember. Where do we remember? We remember in our minds. Remember all his benefits. And then he just starts listing benefits. Okay, I need this. Listen to what he says. Who forgives all your iniquity? Anybody? Anybody want to sign up for that? Yep. Who forgives all your iniquity? Who heals all your diseases? That sounds awesome. Um, who redeems your life from the pit? Yep. Uh, who crowns you with the steadfast love and mercy? I like steadfast love and mercy. That sounds good. Who satisfies you with good? Anybody want to sign on for that? Yep, okay, so let me just keep going so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. When you when you have a birthday coming up on January 28th, just to remind you two weeks in a row, um, when you have a birthday coming up and you're getting older, you're like, hey, I wanna re- be renewed in my youth. That sounds good, right? So like I'm signing on for that. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and graceful, Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. I could take a, a little bit of that. Uh, who will not always chide? He will not always chide, nor will keep his anger forever. That sounds good. Who does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities? For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, which, by the way, was a way of saying, hey, there is no end to that. So far does he remove our transgressions for us, oh, uh, from us. That would be a better way to read it. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him, for he knows our frame. He knows the way that we were made. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone, and the place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to his children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and the kingdom rules over all. So bless the Lord, O his angels, you mighty ones who dwell um, who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, that's to all of us, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Like, I read that and I go, ah, I'm going to choose to trust that. that that's what I'm going to choose to trust. And, and what we choose to trust is how our minds will be shaped and formed. And it'll work from the inside out. And then what I'll do after that is typically just have a moment like David where I confess. I just confess my, like, my thoughts that are trash to him. And I'm like, God, I confess that I did this because I thought this. God, what's your truth to that? And usually, God, will share something that lines up with a passage of scripture, but it's different when God says it to me directly. And Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. And no is such a personal word. Um, there's a guy named um, Dan Harris who, um, 10 years ago, he was working for uh, Good Morning America. He was one of the hosts. He was the guy that like, when, they, when the host like, cut back to like, the news report, they go back to him. And um, he, he, he shares that he had a history of like, negative, unhealthy thoughts. And everything kind of culminated one day when he was on the air, and he actually had a nervous breakdown. Um, But instead of me kind of narrating that story, let's hear him narrate that story. Good
2: morning, Charlie and Diane. Thank you. This is me 10 years ago. And the reason this is the most embarrassing day of my life is not that it looks like I've been attacked by a blow dryer and a can of hairspray. No, it's that I am about to freak out on national television. Health News Now, one of the world's most commonly prescribed medications may be providing a big bonus. Researchers report people who take cholesterol-lowering drugs called statins for at least five years may also lower their risk for cancer, but it's too early to to prescribe statins slowly for cancer production. At this point, I realize I'm helpless, so I bail right in the middle. Uh, That does it for news. We're gonna go back now to Robin and Charlie. All right, thanks very much. Dan Harris at the news desk with some of the headlines of the morning. Wanna go to Tony Perkins now. He is... Once the fear subsided, humiliation rushed in. I knew with rock solid certainty that I had just had a panic attack on national television.
0: So he goes on to, to seek help. And uh, what he found in the form of health, help is that he had uh, just lived in so long of that, that kind of a, oppression of thought um, to where it just culminated into this moment. And he sought help from pastors and neuroscientists, oddly enough, that helped him kind of reshape his life from the inside out to where every day he takes a margin of moments and he processes the unhealthy thoughts to replace them with healthy thoughts. Um, he wrote a book about it. It's called 10% Happier. And, and listen, the, the, the point of this message is not that you would be 10% happier. But that you would live the life that God designed and God desired for you. The, the life that Jesus said He came to give to you, where you would experience life and life to the full. A life that Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 2 is a life where you understand that God's desire for you, His will for you, it's good, it's pleasing, and it is perfect. And so this morning, I just want to invite all of us into this invitation to have a new mind or a renewed mind. And for some of you this morning, a new mind means trusting Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, repenting for the kingdom of God is near. For others of us who have already come to that place, it means to to live and structure our life to where we have moments where we can reflect on the thoughts that we're choosing to trust change our beliefs because ultimately they'll change our behavior and to help you out with that our ushers on the way out they've got a card for you uh just like last week we gave you a card we want to invite you to take this card home use this as a memorization tool but also a place of of reflection every day and it's from romans chapter 12 too. do not be conformed to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind And you will be able to test what is the lord's will his good acceptable or pleasing and perfect will for your life
1: who am I that the highest would welcome? I was lost, but you brought me his heart for me. Oh, he's all for me. When the sun sets free, oh, it's free indeed. I'm a child. His grace runs deep While I was a slave to sin Jesus, Jesus died for me Yes, He died for me When the sun sets free Oh, it's free indeed I'm a child In my Father's house There's a place Chosen. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am